I wear the flesh to detain it Up in my arraignment Nowadays you can't tell if you the victim or the plaintiff Proof bears burdens Now I just wait to see the faces that they make When the foreman reads the verdict Jam sagging verses, verses I bodied every bar, nigga Someone get the hearses Draped in the best of fabrics, nigga You can say it's curtains Can't understand my writings You a tolerating cursing No child left behind, sag that the Negro Athlete brand. Shop the NegroAthleteBrand.com for all your hoop nerd apparel, Negro Athlete apparel, and just all love support the brand, man. Hoop nerd is sponsored today by the Negro Athlete Brand. You can shop the Negro Athlete Brand at the NegroAthleteBrand.com. Copy your merch today, hoop nerd. You are now tapped into the Hoop Nerd Podcast. It is your boy Malik DFG Perry. You know, so this is a new podcast, man. It's all hoop related. Everything's about hoop. Discussion about hoop. What you feel about the discussions about hoop. Um, we're going to touch on various topics um, in the basketball community. A lot of this uh, is geared towards educating, but also it's a fun concept with it as well, man. Um, we got a lot of trainers out here. We got a lot of fake trainers out here. We got a lot of coaches out here. We got a lot of fake basketball coaches out here. Um, so we're just sitting here vibing, man. We want to, you know, come out with some some fun topics to see y'all thoughts on it when they drop. Um, episode one, man, uh, is going down. We talking about, you know, cone deficiencies is what we call it, man. Um, and cone deficiencies really just stems from the cone drills. Um, I know a lot of trainers live and die by the cones. A lot of trainers live and die by, um, you know, only thing that can make me better is this this cone right here. Um, so we're gonna sit here and talk about that, man. Try to figure out, you know, what's best for your for your student athlete um, in the game of basketball, man. Me personally, I'm not a I'm not a cone drill coach. Um, my philosophy is that cone doesn't move no matter what. So no matter what you do, that cone ain't going nowhere. Um, you can attack that cone with a between-the-legs crossover, and you're going to blow by that cone every time. I think basketball is more so adapting um, and understanding. You don't know what that defender is going to do. Um, so I, I, I really like to use real-life bodies. Um, I'm real engaged whenever I sit here and – Go at it with our kids in practice. Um, I tell them one move, and I jump the move um, to make them think and read and react. I think basketball is a read and react type of game. Um, and then read, and you know, like I said, in regards to reading, reacting, you got to understand. Um, you never know what the defense is drawing up. Um, and I say that I say that in a sense, and I'm not attacking any of those trainers out there who live and die by the cone. Um, but when you get into the game of basketball and you get into an actual game, a lot of these players are going off of schemes and going off of dribble combinations, and they literally look like they're dribbling against a cone. Like, literally, I've seen a lot of guys who have trainers that, you know, only use the cone drill. Um, and I understand that, you know, the argument is that the cone can tighten up your handle and tighten up your ability, and I understand all that. But when we get into live basketball games, those dribble combinations aren't going to work in my eyes 
when there's a defender in front of you. Because when you're attacking a cone, that a cone doesn't understand an angle. That that cone doesn't understand, I got to take this step to the left to cut him off and make him do a counter move. So when you get in live basketball and a defender comes in and you coming down the court saying, I'm going to go between the legs crossover, and that defender jumps that, what's next? A lot of the times it causes turnovers. Um, a lot of the times it, it shows that they're unsure about themselves. Um, so, that, I mean, that's that's pretty huge um, in my magnitude. Like I said, I argue with a lot of my friends all the time. You know, a lot of times a lot of our players who do a lot of drill work and cone work, it's hard for them to 100% adjust to the speed of the game and the way a defender is, you know, playing them and things of that nature. Um, like I said, I understand guys that live and die by the cone, um, understanding that their mindset behind it is, uh, I'm trying to tighten up my athlete's handle. I'm trying to tighten up their ability, you know, put their combinations together um, and things of that nature. But when you get in that real live five on five, man, that guy that's across from you, he ain't going to allow you to do them dribble combinations. He ain't going to allow you to dribble, 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 dribble between the legs. And, I mean, it literally some of it looks like, you know, a lot of the guys that we see, it literally looks like they're attacking the cone. You know, so they don't understand how, you know, I got to attack that lead foot. You know, when I grew up, you know, I didn't – and maybe I, I didn't grow up in the cone era. I grew up in, you know, my, my OG Marshall Taylor. You know, he, he expressed me attacking that lead foot, you know, making them have to drop that foot back and, you know, I ran in front of them. Um, attacking the hip, attacking the angles, things of that nature. So, you know, when I grew up, that's how I was taught to, you know – learn the game of basketball. You know, I never, I always wasn't a guy that can handle the basketball. I was a leaper at first. You know, all I can do is I, I dunk on you, I get a rebound, man. So a lot of my friends were already well-equipped and well more advanced than I was. Um, so understanding that, breaking that down was, you know, was huge to me. I wouldn't have learned that understanding that cone. You know, because that cone, like I said, it doesn't move. That 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 cone can't contest a shot. That cone can, you know, slide when you get past, get that shoulder pass to cut you off and get that angle together. <clears throat> that cone doesn't do that. Um, so that's why we call it. You know, a lot of our players have cone deficiencies because all they know is I gotta attack this cone. This cone is all I know. You know what I'm saying? So when, like I said, when you get a guy out there that, you know a great defender, a great on-ball defender, and you can change speeds and change directions and, you know, attack his angle, then that hurts the, that hurts the team, man. So um, I think that's extremely big. Um, I think cones are useful when it comes to tightening up your handle, but I think a lot of trainers kind of live or die by these cones and, you know, sell that method to a lot of these single parents. Um which in turn, you know, they don't know better, they don't understand the game, and they're just going off of what you were telling them. You know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, I just think that's big, man. I think, you know, the cone the cone drill um, is good for warm-ups. I look at it. I mean, I think it's a great, great, a great time to, you know, break some sweat um, and get that aspect together. But as trainers, we got to be able to do more. We can't be so one-dimensional. 
I think a lot of our trainers are one-dimensional out here and say, this is my method, I'm going to do this, and that's all I'm going to do. You know, I, I, I watch uh, a lot of guys out here. One of my one of my uh, old teammates, Lethal Shooter, um, even when he teaches guys how to shoot, um, it's not coming off a cone. It's real life. I'm catching and shooting. If I close out, how to shoot with a close out in your hand, a defender in your face. Um, <clears throat> Look at Tashi Carr is one of the, you know, he trains Rondo and those guys as well. And a lot of a lot of his thing is, you know what? Same thing, reading react, reading react, reading react. Same thing with Ellis Grinshaw, um, who trains a lot of pro players as well. Just watching their content and watch how they train those guys and watch how, you know, they were brought up. Um, a lot of that time they barely use cones because we have to have realistic um measures, right? So you know, if I'm if I'm you know in a game and I'm going full speed, it's like when you tell your it's like when you tell your your athletes go game speed, right? Why do why do we tell our athletes to go game speed, right? And everybody's game speed is a little bit different, right? Everybody's game speed is not the same, but we explain to them to go game speed because when you get into a real life game, if you're BSing and going through the motions, when that live action hit, your shot's going to be off because it's going to seem rushed. Because you never practiced that way, right? Um, me handling the basketball, now I'm handling a little bit faster and a little bit quicker than I usually am because I didn't practice that way. So, you know, that causes failure. Um, so that's why we always tell our athletes, go game speed. So it's the same thing when I'm attacking this cone. If I'm attacking this cone and I'm going game speed, I don't have a defender there at game speed as well. Right. So, like I said, I think it's good for tightening up your handle. But I, don't, I think a lot of trainers kind of live and die by the cone. And that's all they do is I'm only going to do this cone. Right. So I just think we need to do a better job at training our kids in a way in which it's beneficial for their long term development and their long term growth. Right. Um, so that, that, I mean, that's the cone deficiencies is, is what I see is like a lot of, like I said, a lot of these kids and even adults, a lot of pro players too, is when, you know, they practice their entire life on a cone, on a cone, on a cone, on a cone. And then we get into a real game like scenario. It's hard for them to produce because they never had a defender while working out, um, so, yeah, man, y'all can tell me what y'all think about that topic. Like I said, man, I'm not 100% against cones. Um, I think cones can be used for, you know, tightening up, coming off curls, um, working on your flare screens and things of that nature. Um, but as far as, you know, your drummer combination and moves of that nature, I feel like you need a lot of body there. I may be wrong. Like I said, people, you know, people may have different thoughts on that. People may have different perspectives on that. Um and that's fine. Like I said, we're all entitled to our own opinions. And that's why I said hoop nerds, it's just a conversation, man. It's a conversation piece when we come together and we sit here and try to get on the same page and do what's best for the kids, man. So, like I said, man, if you got any, you know, suggestions on that magnitude, I get it. Um, but just from my perspective and my standpoint, how I've been successful is, you know, a lot of the times it's being able to learn how to attack a live body, attack a defender, having to read and react having to adjust my game to do how the defender is playing against me. You know what I'm saying? So I don't think you receive that um, when it comes out there. And even if you're just doing one-on-one, 
even if you're just doing one-on-one with your athlete, you got to jump in and be that defender, man. Like, I'll be seeing some of these trainers that can't even get up and down the floor. You know, I I follow my uh, a lot of guys in Philly. My guy, Sean Singletary, made a post last year, and he said, um, how are you as how can you as a trainer tell me how to play the game if you haven't played the game past middle school? That's sitting here think about that, man. Like a lot of these trainers don't even have a playing resume. Like you don't like what like what is what is your resume? Like, can we look you up? Like, do you even have any inkling of a college career? Like, how how can we justify? How can we justify if you legit? Like, let's be real. Let's be realistic, man. Like, some of the things that these trainers be having these kids do was not even realistic in the game of basketball. Like, every kid should not be doing a step back. Like, that's, we got to simplify the game. Like, every kid, like, so when you train, right, you got to train to the ability of the kid that you are training, right? I can't teach a professional player. I can't teach a high school player a move that I want this professional player to do because we don't even know his coach's system. Like, we need to get on, a, on, on, on point and ask these coaches as a trainer, what is your expectations of this athlete? What is your system? How can I help by making him be successful in this system? Right? Because in the, the day, if... This system is screen and move, flare screens, down screens, uh, back screens. And I'm teaching this kid double crossover, step back three. That's going to get him on a bench. That's going to get him on the pine. Like, he, he's not going to touch the floor at all. At all. So, as trainers, we got to sit here and understand. Like, what is the expectations of my student athlete at his current school? What is his level of understanding of the game of basketball? Right? That's how you decide how I help this kid. You don't decide how I help this kid. By saying, this will look good for me to post on Instagram. Like, and that's where training has come accustomed to now. Training has come, now has come accustomed to, I need something cool to post. Right? Like, that's all it is. Like, we got 6'10 centers who play back to the basket. And I understand expanding your game. I know that's going to be the argument. Well, why can't they expand their game? I'm cool with expanding your game. I'm great with that. I think, you know, the way the game is going now, I think, you know, we, we need 
fours and fives, being able to handle the ball a little bit instead of playing back to the basket. You need, I think you need both that element. But <clears throat> if I'm at a school and that's not our system, you're setting us up for failure. Like, that's, you're setting it up for failure. That's that's my thing. Like, what are we, what are we trying to do? Like, I think you get notoriety having notoriety off of having successful players, right? So, as a trainer, I want to produce the best product that I can moving forward. I want to have the best product on the floor, right? I want to be able to sell myself. I want to be able to say, I can work with. Guards, I can work with forwards, I can work with trainers, tweeners, I can work with posts. Like that's that's the selling point. Nothing we need to have. Right? I also need to be able to be realistic with my clients. If my client comes in and says, Hey, I see such and such on his video doing between the legs, step backs shooting threes, but you got me shooting standstill 15-footers, one dribble pull-ups. It's the level you at. You're not on You're not on Tony's level. Not saying you can't get to Tony's level, but that's not the level you want right now. You may never get to Tony's level, right? But as trainers, we need to be realistic with identifying strengths and weaknesses for our players. And understanding the levels that they're on for our players. If we if we can't do both, then it's, it's pointless. It's null and void. So just understanding what level your player is at, man. Like, you know, we gotta we gotta be realistic <coughs> and give realistic realistic expectations. All right? We gotta everything has to be you know realistic in that in that sense, right? Um. And this is not the best the trainer. Like I said, I know a lot of, a lot of great trainers, um, and they specialize in certain things, um, and they do it extremely well. You know, even here in Indiana, Muncie. You know, I'm from. You got Dennis Shamel, who's a Ball State legend. Like you got Mark White, who, you know, does a great job at training kids. Like, you know, Ryan Baumgartner, who's a shooter, does a great job at you know. Doing a great job at you know teaching kids how to shoot the basketball. Um, Tyronda Beaning just started, who's a Ball State legend, Muncie legend, um, with young ladies. She's doing a great job at training young ladies, right? Phenomenal job, but every client can't be the same because every client's not the same. Every client's made a little bit different. Um, so, yeah, man, we just got to we gotta do a better job at, at just identifying that and understanding what what it is that we want to be. And what our, our athletes to be. You know, we always say as trainers, we want them to be the best them they can be. How can we make them the best them they can be? It's about being realistic and telling them the truth. Not telling them what I'm telling them because I want to get paid. Right? I'm not going to tell Susie, you know, I was a tweener. Right? Never really can shoot the basketball. Right? You know, like I never really can shoot the basketball. Um... Has spurts with a streaky shooter. My thing is I love getting to the basket. I love posting. Um, I love finishing the paint. I love contact. I can handle the ball, you know, a little bit. I can't be your shooting coach. 
First thing I said is I was realistic is that I really couldn't shoot the ball. You know, the, the crazy story is when I signed to Iowa, right? Signed to University of Iowa, Coach Offer, right? And Coach Offer came and saw me play. And Coach Noodles, Greg Noodles, came and saw me play. And I just did what I did well, right? I was a big body. I could defend. I was an athletic wing for the Big Ten, right? Extremely athletic, right? First time they came and saw me, probably had like 10 dunks. Like, realistic, 10 dunks, right? I hit two 17-footers. I still remember this. I still remember like it was yesterday. I hit two 17-foot jump shots, hit one three, right? Second time they came, they offered me a scholarship on the spot. Like, offered me a scholarship, same day on the spot. It was in, uh, we were in Canada. Great Alaskan, I mean, uh, it's a Great Alaskan shootout. Uh, Northern Prep Invitational, right? Uh, next time they saw me play uh, was in Connecticut, right? Struggled the first half. Couldn't make a jump shot. Couldn't finish. I was kind of nervous, right? Came out the second half. Played a little bit better. Well, my best game. Coach Alfred came up to me and said, Dan, if I wouldn't have seen you playing Toronto, shit, I wouldn't have offered you a scholarship. University of Iowa, right? Next game, he comes see me play. Had 32. No jump shots. They turned to ask my coach, can he shoot? Right? That's what they asked him. Even if I was open, you know, I was probably going to make, you know, it was a 50-50 chance I was going to knock it down. But I played to my strengths, Right? Even as, you know, when I would get trained, I worked on my jump shot to the point where it was respectable. That wasn't my strength, though. I was trying to get to the basket, get to the hole, right? Good defender. Um, So, you know, all my trainers used to work on me with, you know, ball handling and shooting the jump shot. And, I, you know, I got better as the years went by. But that that wasn't why I was recruited. Like people ask, like you know, how you how you get these big time institutions? And I just said I did what I did well. I I never tried to be anybody else. I always tried to be me, right? Physical aggressive wing from Philly. I had that Philly toughness, right? Get up in your face. I was a, I was a I, I played fake defense. I was a lockdown defender, but I played fake D. Um, and I was athletic. I show my athleticism every chance I can get. Right? So, you know, that's just that's just what it is, man. Um, but I'm sorry going off topic, going back. But, yeah, man, it, it was just flowing because we talked about trainers and doing what you do well and understanding your strengths and your weaknesses. It's just your job to explain to those athletes what your strengths and weaknesses are. Right? Because as, as basketball players, we don't want to hear we have any weaknesses. We don't, we don't want to hear someone say, you can't do this. Sometimes it's good to, sometimes it's good to hear that. Like sometimes it's good to hear, hey, you're not really good at three. You're not a three-point shooter. Maybe you can be. Maybe you can work on your game to be that, but that's just not your strength right now. Right? So, 
as trainers, um, I think we need to do a lot better job at working on our strength, but fixing our opportunities for growth. I don't call them weaknesses. I call them opportunities for growth, right? How can I grow in this area? Right? The same thing that it is in, in basketball, same thing it is when you're at work, same thing it is in life. How can how can I become successful, right? So, you know, same thing as trainers, we got to find a better job of how can we be successful moving forward, you know? So, I mean, that's big, man. Um, like I said, this is a trainer topic, man. It's all about trainers. Um, sec- my second thing about trainers is we're, we're only training one side of the ball. Let's think about that. How many trainers do you know actually sit there and say, we're going to train on defense today? We're going to train on how to slide your feet. We're going to train on how to cut off a def- how to cut off offensive player. We're going to train on help side defense. We're going to train on ball you man. We're going to train on gaps. Like, never get two feet above to get back doors. Like, how many trainers are training both sides of the ball? I think we forget that, but that's not the cool thing. Defense ain't the cool thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, defense ain't the thing, you know – that sell the tickets, right? <clears throat> but it is the other side of the ball. Like, there is another side of the ball, right? It's not I'm always on offense. That's not the game. The game isn't always I'm on offense every time. It's not It's not a one-on-one make-it-take-it game. Just like I just scored on them, now they transitioning back and trying to score on me, right? A lot of a lot, like a, a lot of trainers don't teach the defensive aspect of the game. So then we sit here and wonder why our kids are bad defenders. They don't know how to defend, right? Like we don't know how to defend. Like how how are we gonna stop somebody? As a coach, I'm a coach, right? You can you can go score 30 points. But if you give up 30, what like what am I supposed to do as a coach? I love the scoring aspect. Anybody knows me, I love I love to play fast, I love to score the ball, but defensively, I don't know how many kids we have to teach positioning even in high school, I mean juniors and seniors, not not identifying what it means to shade their strong hand. You know, we we say that to kids, and it's like foreign. Like, hey, he right-handed, shade his right a little bit. Don't, you know, don't fully commit and force him left. You know, because you know he a good enough player where if you just overly sell out and let him go left, he could take two three dribbles and go score. Just want to shade his right. Kids look at us like, what are you talking about? Shade is right. You know, so, you know, what what do we we talk about getting the best out of our athletes? Right? How are we getting the best out of our athletes a hundred percent if we only train on one side of the ball? We only train on one side of the ball. So we can be getting the best out of our athletes. If we only train in the offensive side, let me know.
Maybe maybe I'm just, you know, tripping. Right? Maybe it's, maybe it's me. But if I'm only training offense, offense and offense don't don't mean defense. You got to be able to stop somebody. As an individual and as a team, I have to be able to stop the person in front of me. I tell my I tell my athletes own your matchup. I don't I don't just say own your matchup on offense. Own your matchup on defense, right? You got to own your matchup, right? So that means if, you know, I'm going mano a mano with you, I got to have a better day than you have. That's how I own my matchup, right? I might not score a bucket. But if you don't score a bucket, we cancel each other out, right? That's that's how we, we own our matchup, right? If you average at 22 points a game, Hold you to five. Hold you below your average. I, I own my matchup. Right? So, we got to understand that there's two sides of the ball. Like, just like you train offense, you got to be able to train defense. Right? It, you know, that that is a part of the game. It's not just unlimited dribbles and wide open jump shots. No. I can be able to close out. How do I close out? How do I identify what hand he is? How do I identify how to go over a back screen? If I'm getting flared, do I go over top if it's a non-shooter or do I go underneath? <clears throat> what does two remove mean? Right? These 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 different terminologies, you know, you know, we assume our kids know this, but a lot of our kids haven't been coached. So just like, you know, as coaches, we are working on our, our players' offensive and defensive abilities as trainers. To be a successful trainer, you have to do the same. Like, it's, it's, it go hand-to-hand, right? And, and that's just, that's just what, you know, we got we to gotta do better, man. We got we to gotta do better at developing these young athletes to be successful, not just currently, but also in their foreseeable future. Right, so how do we go about doing that? Right, how do we go about uh, teaching and allowing these kids to be coachable? Right. So yeah, man, just tell me what you think, man. Like I said, we Hoop Nerds podcast says a lot about trainers, man, because we, you know, trainers are extremely big now in the basketball community, way more than it ever been. Um, I feel like you turn around, everybody and their mama a trainer. So, yeah, so this understanding, man, it's, it's two sides to the ball. Um, if we're going to teach the game, that's teach the game all the way through. That's not just teach one side of the game. That's not just teach one aspect of the game. Um, that's, that's teach everything around the game, everything that revolves around the game. But whatever our athletes need to be successful, um, that's what we need to teach. And that's what we need to engage in and, and learn. And um, as trainers, we also need to adapt and get better as well. Um, and to continue to grow in life. That's just what we need to do, man. So, like I said, man, it's the first episode of the Hoop Nerd Podcast, man. We are excited to to start this journey with you guys, man. Um, I'm excited to just drop a little bit of knowledge um, and just to give you every aspect there is in the game of basketball, you know, from my, my perception and my reality 
Um, like I said, man, we want everybody to, you know, have their, their say, their two cents in it, man. Um, we want everybody to be able to have this conversation. I mean, you might, I might say some things you might not agree with, you might agree with, um, and that's just the opportunity for us to have a conversation, man. So, um, like I said, this is a, a big staple, a moving point in the community. Um, we're trying to do about also teaching our young athletes the media, you know, portion of the game of basketball. Um, so we will be having content and interviewing a lot of local athletes um, on their perspectives of how their season is going um, as they prepare to transition to the collegiate level. Um, things that they feel like they need to work on, things they feel like they need, um, and just overall how to be successful. Um, and that's just extremely big. So once again, man, it's Malik DFG Perry. Um, check out the NegroAthleteBrand.com. Um, that's our apparel, man. Um, got out of Hoop Nerd apparel on there, Hoop Nerd merchandise, Negro Athlete merchandise is on there as well. And it was just making this a movement, man. So, you know, Negro Athlete Brand, Hoop Nerd. You know, podcast. Here we go. We out. Woman, such a hell of a beat. Keep half of a for